You know, I might not be a practicing organized religion myself, but I do believe in, in higher power, divine universe, God, whatever we want to call it. For sure, it's not me. It's something that is bigger than me. And if I'm quiet enough and tune myself to it, everything comes what I need. This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Today, we are speaking with Ola Stashnik Groff, and she and I met at a raw food wellness retreat in Alabama about 13 years ago. And here was this gal who just recently moved from the UK, and she had this foreign accent, which was not uk in And she talked about how she was in transition right now, being in Peachtree City, Georgia, but had worked in a technique called Amago, which caught my curiosity. And when we were done with the retreat, I actually picked her up and started talking to her. And I can attribute her now to helping my marriage be healthy. And my husband and I will call her up and ask for little uh, tune-up tune up sessions, yeah, <laughs> to keep us on the same path. And her story, how she found Imago, what is Imago, and all of the above, we're going to go over now. So welcome, Ola. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you so very much for inviting me and being a guest on your beautiful, amazing, and wholesome project. Oh, you're so welcome. And I appreciate your time. I know that when I first wanted to bring you on the podcast and share Amago, because I find it to be such an interesting technique and it was so useful and helpful and you've used it on, or my family has used it. All of my family has used it. You were, you said no. (laughs) I did. Let me tell you why I said no. I just thought that if I show up on your podcast and people would want to see me, I'm not in Georgia anymore. I know we can see each other online and we can see use all various methods of seeing each other, having a session like I did with you and Frank. But somehow I thought mm, it's going to be disappointing for people that I'm not available face to face for people in Georgia because my heart is in Georgia. We live in Texas, but my heart is in Georgia. So I said no. However, a couple of days later, I started listening to your podcasts and I binge listened to them. I, I think I spent one Sunday going through all of them and listening to all of them. And something came up for me as to, this is my duty. It's not about me. This is my duty to pass on what I've learned because people do not need to see me. They can read the book and see some other imago therapies. They can go on my website and do the work themselves. Right. I stopped making about me I thought come on girl you you have your duty it's your professional duty and as a as a woman to pass it on what you know and I'm so grateful you did when you that's why I called you and she told me I'm on I'm excited (laughs) (laughs) because this is such a neat technique and I just don't think enough people know about it I mention it to people all the time especially friends when they're saying they're having issues but your story and how you got there which I didn't even know any no. of it. I thought I knew some, but I really didn't until we spoke the other day. You so typically, me... typically don't know much about your therapist. I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but let's start with, do you want to start with how you found Imago and then we'll back up from there? That will work. Um, how I start with Imago. Well, let's explain the word Imago. Yes. Imago actually has got two meanings. In biology, it's a chrysalis. It means chrysalis. And in modern psychology, Imago calls internal image. Internal image, okay. Internal image, which we carry on inside ourselves as a blueprint of our childhood. And we live our lives projecting our internal image onto the world. Okay. So we're not separating ourselves from the world. We're projecting our image. So therefore, in a relationship with our husbands, partners, children, friends, we project ourselves, our world, onto the world of the other. So Imago, it's a set of tools that separates you 
and the world. And it shows you that you can live and coexistently and happy in a few different words without having a headbanging. Headbanging, yes, problem. problem. <laughs> Conflict. Okay. So I train as a transpersonal psychotherapist and also one of my tools, one of my modules was classical training in marriage and family therapy. Mm -hmm. And my practice was back in London, maybe it was half and half, but I found myself being very dissatisfied with working with couples. And the reason was that couples most of the time look up to me to resolve it, to take sides. He's right, he's wrong. He's right, she's wrong. And I didn't really have any tools. I felt very um, impotent to do that. And apart from that, I couldn't make decisions for people. And that was before you found Imago, correct? Well, that was well before I found Imago. Oh, that okay. was just the classical training. Okay. And also, I found myself, it was too much burden on my shoulders to carry all that. So I went to see my supervisor and I said, look, I think I'm going to stop seeing couples because it's just too much. I can't do that work. I'm not enjoying that. I'm not qualified to deal with, with it. And the qualifications I have are just not giving me what I need. So she said, hold on, hold on. Before you, you go away from that work, there's something called Imago. And I went, Imago what? Yeah. <laughs> so speed up the story, I train in Imago. And when I, you're familiar with, with the process of Imago, it's based on a dialogue. It's not a monologue, it's a dialogue. We give each other space like we do it now, with the exception that the partner repeats what we're hearing. In other words, I have to make sure that you really hear what the other one is saying. And when I went, basis of my training was to be present in a workshop with my own husband, first myself with some, some other students and then with my husband. And when I heard this parrots like repeating what the other person is saying, I thought, oh my God, this, this is not going to work. Mm -hmm. I got a little bit of, oh, this is not going to work. This is stupid. But the more I sat in the process, the more I saw, start seeing the benefits of actually mirror. We call it mirroring. We mirror word by word without our own spin, our own internal image, our own projections, what the other one is saying. And it's so hard. You think it's so easy. And I know from experience, Frank will say something and I'll say it back and it wasn't even close. And all I will say, Wendy, can you do it again? Or Frank, do it again. I'm like, what? Can you send to Wendy again because she got it wrong? And I tell you what, simple answer. Because yeah. when the other one is talking, we have an emotional reaction to what they're saying. And when we have an emotional reaction to what they're saying, we cannot hear. We're defending ourselves yeah. of what we're hearing. We're choosing words we want to hear. We put our own spin. We're like a spin doctor on what we're hearing. Right. So exactly. that one hasn't got a chance to tell you what they're really feeling or thinking because you already, you catch the first sentence and you're already putting a spin on it. Right. Right. So actually there's a scientific proof that mirroring or repeating back word for word what the partner is saying calms your brain calms your neurons and you're becoming calmer because you're able to be present and listen calming your brain and if your brain is even on fire by saying well i heard you say so and so and so you're immediately calming yourself it's not about you it's not about your internal image so the process was i was doing my training with other students then i invited my husband into the workshop i did it with him and i was shocked 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 completely shocked <laughs> not only that it works yeah but i wasn't listening at all <laughs> uh, <laughs> the actual psychotherapist trained individual lots of schooling absolutely in the absolutely. absolutely and that's when fun started i needed to really be congruent in what who i am what i am and start listening. And that improved my marriage tremendously. Mm. I mean, we've been only married for a few years when I started training in Imago, but uh, it was an eye-opener for me. And please remember that in my previous training, I probably already had about 400 hours of one-to-one -one therapy because right. I had to do it for my training. And I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing. Isn't that incredible? It is. And then I start trusting the process and then I start, of course, when I brought Imago into my office and I start working with couples and families, I could see the changes. It touches my heart. 
Yeah, it's amazing. I'll tell you, it's amazing as the benefactor of having your therapy. Not only does it help the relationship, but it helps the person in the relationship figure themselves out as well and make great leaps and bounds in their own personal uh, development. And that's what happened to me too. That's what happened to me too. And as a, as a, a byproduct of this, it helped my husband too. He didn't have to do any work. I, I sometimes it takes just one to tango. Right. So please remember that if, if one of the partners doesn't want to do the therapy, you can do it. You can still do it, which is huge because you hear and that all the time. Little well, my husband won't go to therapy, so what's the use? Right. Well, you there's no the use. You don't need to. You can do the changes and the ripple effect of your changes will be seen in your relationship with your husband and your children. And what moves me to the core of my being is the fact that when I work with couples, and I know I had this description of relationship, the relationship happens between us in a space, small space between us. So that's why in Imago, I sit you opposite your, your husband, opposite Frank. And there's that small space where you can sometimes touch your knees, sometimes you can't. And the relationship lives in that space. And if you both start polluting that space by not listening, by not hearing each other, by not understanding each other well, you're polluting the space for your children. Right. Because they grew up in a pollution. When Imago changes that space, it touches me because it changes the pollution for the children. It's true. It's a true story. And I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that, how children from Imago couples, when they've been practicing for many years, how different the children are. They're good listeners. They understand the differences between the world. They can live with the differences. They don't have a desire to control because they feel safe. So it's a really, really beautiful way of communicating, not just with your partner, but with your children, with your friends, with business. Sometimes... Ola makes a phone call to, uh, say, AT&T or Verizon, whatever that is. And they're not hearing me what I want. So I, I, I use Imago. <laughs> I said, could you please tell me what you heard me saying? Really? Yes. I said, that's not what I say. Let me say it again. This Let time. Let me say it again. Listen. This time they get it. It's that's more so Please help me now. Because they read script. Those people who re- read the script. Yeah. So they. They, they tune you read. out. Yeah. yeah. You either fit into category A or category B. Well, absolutely. All right. So I don't know if that answered your question. About oh, yes, that answered a question about a MAGA. A moment. So I think we should go back now. Let's go back to Ola growing up in Poland. Oh, wow. Well, Ola was exactly. born in the 50s. She grew up in Poland to the age of about 23 or 22 when I left Poland. I just graduated from, from university. And I was fortunate enough to get a Polish passport. Probably your listeners may not know the situation of Poland, but when oh, I was yeah. growing up, it was a communist country, one of one of a block of Eastern Europe, so, so to speak. So we didn't have the freedom to travel. A resourceful people or people like Ola with tremendous energy and a desire for something new managed to get herself a passport and managed to get herself an English visa because we couldn't get a passport if we didn't have a visa to the country we could go. And when I say manage, because Polish authority could refuse my passport without any good reason. It was a, a pure luck that I got it. Or maybe, maybe they were preparing me for being, being a spy later on. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> but I got it. And of course, by then, I had a little taste of difference. So there's a different world outside Poland. Because as a student, I managed to spend three to four months in Sweden working holidays where I would work in the morning in a grand hotel in Stockholm, cleaning rooms and doing whatever I needed to do and bringing green money dollars back to Poland. And it was just like, wow. I think I shared that with you at some point that when I went to the department store in Stockholm and I saw that I could touch makeup, that I could try makeup, that I could don't have to buy it. And I had all these colors. It was just like, what's the English saying? A kid in a candy store. <laughs> I could not believe it. That this is possible where in Poland, not only we didn't have the lipsticks and the nail varnishes, but when we had them, they, be, they would be uh, selling them in one color only. And there would be a huge line. So I kind of had a taste that there's more to life than just this grayness and miserable, miserable country. You said something about Poland then when you were growing up. Mushrooms. Yeah, the mushrooms. mushrooms. Please excuse my expression. Some of your viewers may get upset, but that's the truth. Do it. 
say it. I believe that at the time when I was growing up, a Polish government, communist Polish government, kept all the citizens like mushrooms. And I said, what do you mean? And you said, what do you mean? And I said, Wendy, they kept us in dark and fed us on shit. <laughs> there you go. You said vodka was... Vodka was cheaper than milk. Yeah. Vodka was cheaper than milk. So maybe everybody had a guaranteed job, but most people were drunk, not to care about anything. So Not a lot of passion, yeah. It was, uh, you know, until today when I go back to Poland, I see the the side effects of the communists. It, it's going to be another couple of generations. People are generally miserable. They don't oh. laugh easily. The younger generation does. I mean, I found myself when I arrived in London, finally I arrived in London in 1970, I think late 70s. I didn't speak English, by the way. <laughs> I still don't. <laughs> you found your, you got your passport, you got your visa, and you went to London? Yeah. Yes. What happened? And when I arrived in London, it took me a little while to realize how restrained I was in my talking. I was afraid. I was afraid to say my truth for fear of maybe being arrested. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Until today, when I travel to Poland and, and they have this communist setup for taking your passport and putting underneath the desk and then looking up at you, my heart goes like, Shh. oh man. And I have nothing to worry. So I'm sure that's a post traumatic stress syndrome. Right, right. <laughs> You said you even lied to get your first job. Oh, you of course, I had to lie because my well, first job, I didn't lie. That was my second, I think, when I started oh, okay. the rooms. And I had a little bit of English because I immediately went to school of English three hours a day, just purely to learn how to talk, how to speak. And I found a job in a in an Austrian restaurant because my English was okay. German was then, a lot of clients were German. I spoke German. And the guy asked me, do I have any experience from working in a restaurant? And I said, of course, of course, plenty, plenty. <laughs> eh, not so much. Not so much. No, nothing at all. I think that my experience at the time was only serving breakfast in the morning, which was a preset menu and just putting plates with food in front of people. But I got the job. I got a job and it was a quite well-paid job. And it was amazing when I saw all this money coming in every week thinking, oh my gosh, this is unreal. Right. So again, I think it must be a story of my life. I invested back in myself because I paid for this private school uh, to learn English. And my English is it's learned just purely from that school. And then I had to go out and learn how to read and write because they didn't teach you that much of that. The emphasis were on speak, speak, talk, 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 talk. It was a great school because we all had to do it. All the students were from different parts of the world, so we had to find one language, English. <laughs> it was a great experience. Yeah, so, so now and you also you met your first husband in that restaurant gig. I did. <laughs> My first husband uh, had a business almost next door to the restaurant. So being a single guy, he often came for the dinner, and he always used the same table, same corner. And one night, I was new, he ordered a bottle of wine, and I brought that bottle of wine to the table, and I put the, it was one of those openers where you have two handles. Yeah, the rabbit ear ones, yep. However you call that opener. And I came with that opener and a bottle of wine, and he looked at me, and he said, you don't know how to use that. I said, no. <laughs> so he said to me, move your body so your boss doesn't see you, and I show you how. Such a nice And guy. he did. And he did. And from that moment on, he kept coming to the restaurants for lunch too. <laughs> and that's how it started. And he was a lovely guy, fond memories of my marriage. But however, he was uh, considerably older than me, about nine or ten years. And seven or eight years later, the, the marriage just didn't work because I realized that what I, what I did is I've chosen someone older than me to be my father figure. Right. I was a little lost. Yeah, lost well, in the country all by yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it makes sense. So we parted, been keeping friends, never had any children. We've been friends for many years afterwards, and now he's somewhere else, so we, we stopped the sort of, I don't know what happened to him. I know he remarried. So but, you were working in this restaurant, got married, and then how did you get into, you know, the training of... Well, before when I... 
be worked in fashion, though. That's right, because when I started improving and what needed to get improved is my, my English. Of course, I didn't have a desire to stay in that industry for the rest of my life. My English was still maybe not good enough to go back to any, any of my degrees because I, I've learned German as a language. I studied German as a language, so for well... What could I do? I didn't want to be a teacher. I had no idea what else I can do with that language. So I always had a, a passion for fashion. I always loved fashion. And that came from my mom. So this idea of having many dresses and paying for them a little bit less came to my mind that if I work in one of those shops, I can buy them cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really because you love the products. You're like, oh, I really want to have some of this. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're surrounded by it in London. Oh my gosh, it was yeah. just like, I, another it took me, I needed to wear sunglasses for a little while just to walk around the shops because I couldn't believe all the shops and clothing. Wow. So I start working, I can't remember my first shopping fashion I started working as sales girl that's right I was a very very posh type of boutique in Malibon street which is a street full of very expensive shops and I started working for this a woman Carol and her shop was lovely and she had a lot of nice designer wear and I worked from part-time to full-time and then I was a manageress of the shop wow okay and she could take it easy so I was kind of climbing my ladder as soon as I can and then I realized that I could do a little bit more so I moved from hair to a wholesale and I become a wholesaler of certain I love the fashion industry so I love the products but at the time as an antidote to what I call fashion is fake. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You said you were working and, and you realized that many of the women, but is that after you moved to the U.S.? I'm trying to figure no, out. That's all in U.K. So Austin Reed was in the U.K.? That's a U.K., yeah. That's you all realized UK. that you were, people that you were coming in contact with were looking for the designer labels and the things and their personality, their inside of them was hurting. Including me. Okay. At the time, I didn't know that. Okay. But what I realized in retrospect is that I came a little Polish refugee with a low self-esteem, feeling less than. Okay. And maybe I was born with that. Maybe that I'm a product of not just the country itself, but maybe I'm a product of my own background, of my own, own family. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. So... Of course, when I went into the fashion and I was able to be and wear the high-end fashion, the right. expensive labels, and at the time there was a, a huge fashion for wearing labels almost inside out. The more writings you had of whatever Chanel, Louis Vuitton on outside of the clothing, the better it was. Okay. <laughs> and somewhere down the line, there was probably an aha moment and I realized, why do I do that? Mm -hmm. What is it? And I didn't pay too much attention, but... It was a universe provided me with, with something amazing because I, I've, I've met a friend in one of those fashion shows and we, when we liked each other. So we had one or two lunches together. And apart from talking about fashion, we start talking why we in fashion. And she, she felt very similar to me. She was French from all the countries. She was French, but she felt very similar. And she shared with me that she's been working as a volunteer in a counseling center called HELP. And actually HELP started in, in 60s by Richard Branson. I don't know if you're familiar with that name. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the guy who owns the Virgin Airlines. Yeah. Started that as a student in sixties. It was called the Health Counseling Center. Interesting. And that's when I started working on. The, I had a little bit of training, and then I started working on the phone line because the place was open. Phones were open twenty-four-seven. A little bit like Samaritans. So yeah, you were doing it like a charity, just as a volunteer. Completely antidote to what I was doing. Interesting. Okay. Two okay. opposites. Total two opposites. And I liked it. Okay. I felt much more wholesome by helping someone just listening to them and being with them than selling them expensive dress. Okay. You were more fulfilled. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. On a hard level. On a hard level. So this is just a little background information because then I carry on in my fashion industry. I start working for a huge a name called Austin Reed. They were men's outfitters. They closed down about two or three years ago. They were very famous for uh, English suits, suiting and booting English men. But then they introduced the women's wear and they needed a new influence, new people, women, and changing the tradition mm -hmm. from male only into women as well. And foreigners. That was just like, wow. 
Okay. And that lasted for a few years until the management chain changed. And it was a godsend because they gave me the, the go-away package with a lot of money. And oh, severance. Pay. Severance, thank you. Severance, pay. So I got a, I got a quite a good amount of money. I could pay myself a salary for another year and a half without worrying at all. So it was just like, thank you, God. Thank you for I making know, that decision. You weren't sad that you were now out of the fashion industry in that way? No, not at all. So what did you do? I was thanking God for doing that for me because I couldn't do it for myself. Oh, you wanted to get out. You just didn't. I was afraid. Okay. That's when you said that box thing. You said that we all like to be in our box. That happened, yes, that happened in Australia because I, after getting this money and a package, I thought, okay, I need to take it easy for myself. I uh, I was married already to my present husband and we went to Australia. I, he went just for two weeks with me and I went and stayed for another four or five weeks with my friend. And one of the beautiful days we're sitting on Bondi Beach and she did ask me, she said, what are you going to do? And I said, you know, I'm a little shy to tell you what I'm thinking and what I would like to do because I don't know if I can't do it. She said, come on. We knew each other from Poland. I said, because it will involve going back to school and the story again, I'm not good enough. My English is not good enough. My writing maybe is not good enough. I'm not good enough. Okay. She said, so what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a counselor. I want to change my charity position into pay position if possible, but I will involve going to school. And she said, that's not a problem. And that's when she gave me this box idea. She said, you've been operating in one box in the fashion industry for so long. And now you're asking yourself to step out of that box and do something else. So naturally, we'll have a fear. And it was just like coming home. Okay. She normalized my fear. So it was the fear didn't paralyze me anymore. The fear okay. gave, me, gave me actually energy. Okay. So as soon as I was back in London, I enrolled on the first available course. It was halfway through, but I did it. And then another course and another course. And then I took a master program in demand for the university in England. And needless to say, five years later, I was holding my master degree with, with uh, uh, honors. And not only I completed 125 thousand words document <laughs> master but I also got distinction for it in English in English that's amazing I have to say that I had a proofread the whole document was proofread by someone but that's what the writers do right <laughs> exactly there is no shame in that because <laughs> you wrote it it was your concepts absolutely your idea so I kind of start doing that I start my little private practice as a student because I needed to get lots of hours. And what really helped me is that I had this business background. So when I had enough hours, I went straight into a private practice and I didn't open, I didn't hire a room in somebody's building. I got the building. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So you just said, I got this. I'm going. Done. And, and I think what helped is that I did have the business background. And sometimes counselors, psychotherapists, psychologists don't have the business background. They go straight into that study. So it goes to study and they go slow and small. And I went straight into the business and opened in London something called Serenity Rooms. We were lots of different therapists work from the same building. And we offer family therapy, child therapy, uh, single therapies, and a few other alternatives. It was, a, it was a very nice business. And that's when I sat one evening and I, I can't do my couple's work because I'm not satisfied in what's going on. And that's when I retrain in Imago. That is to speed up forward, the, one day my husband came 14 years ago home and he offered me a change. But before we talk about that, okay, I want to talk about how you met your husband because that just shows your belief in the universe and your position on paying attention to the nudges. Yes, I call my husband a gift from God. Yeah, all on your story, you say, I was nudged. I got a message. Always nudged. I always, always there was something. If I was quiet enough to spot that message without being busy, 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 busy all the time, then I pay attention to life. Because it led you on your path of success. Like you climbed the ladder and everything you've done, you've gone for it all. 
every time. You didn't just set oh, up that's you didn't my night stop halfway. You didn't have an idea and go do something else. You just followed it through, right. starting with leaving Poland. Like it's huge. And as a teenager, you were leaving Poland. And you said to me, which I love this quote, sometimes I don't ask why. Because I asked you, I said, so why did you say that on the beach? Why did you decide to do this? Why did you work with addicts? Why did you do this? And you said, sometimes I don't just ask why. I just do what the universe is providing me with. And that's how most of the time operate. It's incredible. And if I start asking why, then I don't go for it. Really? And when it feels really uncomfortable, I know it's for me. So segue that into meeting your your gift of Do I really have to be that personal? Yeah, because it's a really neat story. The listeners are saying, yes, I can hear them. Go. Okay, okay, I go then. I met a Polish girl back in London. She was, I can't call her my friend. She was my acquaintance. And I was not too fond of her because she was on a side of depressive. Everything was wrong. She was annoying and depressive. Annoying and everything. When we met for lunch, she would say, what's wrong? Always what's wrong? Always what's wrong. So I stayed away as much as I could from lunches with her. But however, on that particular day, she called me. We're similar age. We're similar birthdays. I'm 4th of July. She's 7th of July. And she called me on the 6th of July to say, would you like to come to have an informal drinks for my birthday? And Wendy, honestly, my first thought was, oh, no. Right. <laughs> I can't stand it. I don't want to go. Thought. But the second thought was, Stop having this stinking attitude. If your friends have the same stinking attitude as you have, nobody will show up for your birthday. That's so true. So I said to her, well, thank you. Thank you so very much. I would love to do that. And I thought to myself, I just go through the emotions. I spent a couple of hours with her and her friends, which I didn't think much of it too, and give her birthday present and have something to eat and then go home. Right. Because it was starting early about Sunday afternoon, four o'clock or something. So that's what happened. I came and similar friends. I knew what to expect. I show up. I even, Oh, she said, you can bring some of your friends too, if you like. And I invited to, but they said to me, are you crazy? You don't like why you're dragging us. <laughs> Okay, that just shares. Yep. So maybe two hours later, I decided that this is it. I pay my duty and I can now leave. However, the doorbell rang and she went to open the door. And within a second, this good looking guy is standing in the door. I mean, a good looking guy for me. Super hot. Hot. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm staying. I'm not going anywhere. Refill my plate, please. Yes. <laughs> That's what happened. Well, that was my husband. He got invited to her party, birthday party, not because he knew her, because he worked with a woman she was friendly with in the same office. And she always liked what she saw. So she invited him for herself. Uh, she asked a friend to bring yes. Paul. And my yes. husband, like me, had an alternative motive. What was his alternative motive? Food. <laughs> Wait, oh, that's right. You said he was traveling. And he was traveling. He was on the way back home. And he thought to himself, I have two choices. I can either go home and cook for myself or go and have this birthday, whatever that is, with that woman party and have some food. That's why he came. He was motivated by food. And then later on afterwards, he told me when I, I scanned the room and I saw you. And he, I, he thought to myself, I'm going to find a chance to sit next to you. That's so funny. And you know what? He's a gift from God because I was rewarded for being a kind human being. I love that. And you also said, and I think this is really funny too. He couldn't hear in one ear. Is that oh, That's right. That's right. That's right. He, my husband doesn't hear in his right ear. Sorry, in his left ear. Okay. So when he, when he put the chair on my left side, he naturally wouldn't be able to hear me. So he turned his body around. So his right ear was near my my head and my face. And I thought to myself, he's a bit forward. (laughs) (laughs) So interesting. You guys were married, what, six months later or something? Yeah, six months later. And we got married in a very exotic place called Abu Dhabi in Emirates because he was sent for work to Abu Dhabi. And uh, I had to ask to marry him, me, because my big mouth made a few comments about men in his family are dysfunction. His brother was on his fifth wife. Oh, wow. The father was divorced, his mother. So I just made a comment, dysfunctional family, dysfunctional man. And he gave me this dirty look and he said, well, I won't be one to asking you to marry me. And he was dead serious. He was upset. Oh, my. (laughs) He was upset. I said, okay. 
That's fine. And then later on, I said, so are you really serious that if I want to marry you, I need to ask you? I said, yep. <laughs> so you I don't want to be responsible. Oh, that's fine. 24 years later, we're still married. And thanks to Imago, the marriage is getting stronger and stronger and stronger because I do practice Imago in my relationship to the best of my ability, to the best of my ability, meaning some days I have days off. (laughs) They're not days off, they're hours off. Sometimes it's just seconds off and then I can come back. I love that. So then your husband, you get, you're married and he has a job. You open your practice and he actually has to be in Atlanta. Yes, he traveled to Atlanta quite often from London, to the office in Atlanta. And you decided to go with him once? Well, no, what had happened is a year before we moved to Peachtree City, Uh we didn't know what to do with our vacation. And vacation in the United States is very convenient for English people. Because often it's cheap or cheaper because of English pandas being strong. Same language. And a wonderful weather in certain parts of the United States. In the winter, you go to Florida and you have an English summer. So we have traveled extensively. And this year, we couldn't find a place to go. So my husband said, why don't we go and play some golf and visit Charleston, Savannah, the beautiful cities. And we haven't seen that part of the United States. So his friend from his office, who lives in Peachtree City, said, okay, sounds like a good plan. Come over and stay with us for a couple of days. We play golf on Flat Creek. And then you off you go to Savannah, Charleston, and whatever Augusta we needed. He planned all the golfing places we needed to stop. So we stayed in Peachtree City for two nights with the friends. And they took us for brunch to Flat Creek Club. And remember, we came from living in central London, where like living in central New York, where everything is cramped. So when we came out of the Flat Creek after brunch, it was a beautiful August day. I just look around, there's blue skies, the sunshine, space, emptiness. And I just like a kid in that shop with a lipstick. I was like a kid looking around and saying, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is beautiful. Wouldn't it be nice to live in here? And now my friend looked at me and said, be careful what you pray for. I said, I don't need to be careful. Look, I can live here easily. <laughs> Little did you know. Little did you know. Yeah. Literally four months later. Right. December, I think it was. Uh, beginning of December, my husband came home and said, do you want to go back to Peachtree City? I said, no, 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 no more golfing holiday for a little while. I'm not a golfer by nature. He said, no, I know I'm playing golf to live. I said, what? <laughs> He said, my boss just offered me to move to America, move to Atlanta, so we can go and look for something in Peachtree City. And I forgot to tell you, Wendy, because that was another out-of-body experience, universe messages. My husband got very quickly involved in looking at houses in Peachtree City on the internet, pretty quickly. And I said to him, I'm not joining you in your project because I am not buying a house on the internet. I need to be there. We're going to go and stay in an apartment or the hotel, I'll view some houses. And then he kept looking at houses in the internet and shortlisting them. And one of the houses he had was the house we bought, or he bought. And he engineered to go to Atlanta on business, stay extra weekend to look at those houses he shortlisted. So being a six or seven hours difference at the time between London and UK, he, every time I had friend, my friend was with me for lunch in, in our house in London. And he kept calling me every 10 minutes. I saw this one, this one, I saw this one, I saw this one. I was just like, give me a break. <laughs> I'm not going to buy any houses on the internet. And then when he called me for the last time in a day or the one before the last, and he said, I went back to 115 Greensway. And I, for the first time, again, like an out-of-body experience because I heard him. Mm-hmm. And I said, you went back again? He said, yes, there's something special about that house. I like it. So what is it? He said, it reminds me of an old Brighton train station, the way it's shaped. Hmm. Okay. And I heard myself say, honey, I pretty much always get what I want in our marriage without a fail. Why don't you buy that house and put a deposit on it if you like it that much? And I promise you, I will never, ever say a bad thing about it. And I'll make a beautiful home for you. Wow. And you know what he said? Can I have this in writing? (laughs) There's a piece to this story too that also is an outer body experience for you. You said, which all blends into us paying attention to our passions and our gut and the universe, which is part of the second wind experience. You had this serenity, you had your practice, your building, and you decided, okay, I need to sell this. 
Yes, thank you for reminding me of that. One evening I finished work and I sat back in my office in my big silk covered chair and I, I sat there quietly because I started feeling uncomfortable with something and I didn't quite know what, so I needed to quiet my mind and meditate on it a little bit. The and this was before or after you knew you were going to move? Before. But not too far before, right? Mm, a week? Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. And... What came up for me that night is that I felt dissatisfied with my work because I spent more time running the business than doing my work. And I love my work. I love being with people. And I did that. I've chosen that because I'm a control freak. So I needed to do my own paperwork, my own accounting. Well, not to the degree and all my all by myself. So of course that left me less time for working with people. Three hours a day or four hours a day. Rather than working with people, I would do the paperwork or admin work or chores or whatever I needed to do. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? And I know when I don't have an answer, I do nothing. I don't make decisions. I wait. And three weeks later, my husband comes home and says, do you want to move to America? And I said, absolutely. And not for golf. He said, what about your business? I said, yeah. business can go. And he was shocked. He was shocked that I was going to let go of a business. And then I share that with you too. I was interviewing someone who wanted to just finish her college and she was looking to expand her, her hours, get some more hours of working. And she wanted to rent her three or four hours a week from me. And she was afraid that that's not enough for me to say yes. And I remember sitting and looking at her and said, you can have it the whole place if you wanted to. She said, what do you mean? Yeah. I said, because I, I will be moving to America, so I'm actually putting this up for sale. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't have this place. I said, why not? I wouldn't know what to do. I said, I'll tell you. She had no self-esteem. She didn't. She had plenty of money because she got divorced. And you didn't know this. You no. had no idea. No. She had no self-esteem because she grew up in the shadow of her husband as a wife mm -hmm. with children. So she had no... She fought. She had no business acumen. She was a fiery woman and she had plenty. And we kept in touch. We still do keep in touch. And first year, she said, I hated you. I hated you. All those challenges you. I said, yeah, but I answer you every time you call me. I always get an answer for you. She did. Oh, she it. I hated you. She it. And she still owns it, correct? Yes. It's crazy Absolutely. how that worked out. Yeah. What do you attribute all that to? All that being it just worked out. What would you say? Is it just good luck? No. Going with the current of life. Going with the current of life like it and not asking why no if it feels comfortable or uncomfortable acknowledge and acknowledge I acknowledge to myself why does it feel comfortable and why does it feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. and if I don't have an answer at the time I wait the answer will come it's just trusting you know I may not be a practicing organized religion myself but I do believe in in higher power divine universe god whatever we want to call it for sure it's not me it's something what is bigger than me. And if I'm quiet enough and tune myself to it, everything comes what I need. That's, that's good advice. We all need to. And looking back, Wendy, I think I was very intuitive as a, as a kid too. Because really? I had to survive. So I think without intuition, one wouldn't survive. Really? Mm -hmm. I just didn't really call it intuition. It, we call it this gut feeling. Gut feeling. And did that drive you to, you know, excel in Poland and get yourself out of there and work away oh, absolutely 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 yeah so now being in america in the house my husband chose and until today i never said that well we're not in that house anymore but for the over 10 years we've been living in there you, you've, you've seen the house uh -huh. never said one critical thing about it i may not liked it i may i maybe didn't see didn't like when i when we move in this pink floor in a in the kitchen or whatever gold taps but i never said one thing i zipped it and i felt so proud of myself you should <laughs> yes i kept saying honey thank you for buying this house wow and it's true it made it so easy and you know it was a wonderful beautiful experience we lived in an empty house for about five weeks and it was such a bliss no furniture well we had bed we had fridge we had television, the table was the box, and two chairs. Okay. And I didn't know any any English shops where to go and buy. I didn't know Bed Bath & Beyond at the time. So I went to Ikea because that was familiar to me. Okay. And I bought six plates, six glasses, blah, blah, blah six of everything. And that was our home. That's <laughs> my husband in a house, empty house for about four weeks because I needed to go back to England and pack everything or organize uh, okay. everything. Okay. And then when I got back, our furniture was shipped from UK and it took about 
couple of months. Mm -hmm. So we lived in this empty house and I actually have a fond memories of not having stuff around me. Another interesting. Yes. So now whereas I'm winding down and I'm making changes, the, the next window of a 60, so to speak, I'm decluttering. I have almost empty home. I have empty cupboards. My kitchen is empty. Uh, it's just such a, and the next place is going to be even more empty. Yes, you're going, you're, what's next for Ola is living on a boat. That's what we're planning to. Part-time. Yes. So exciting. Let me ask you a question. So you are keeping your current clients. However, you still are very passionate about Imago and you want people to use it and learn how would people do that if they've liked what you've said about it and they see how it's affected you in your life how can people find Imago and try to get it into their own relationships and might I add it can be for you and your children I have sent my husband with his sons a few times yes my daughter and her fiance I'm trying to send the other two boys with special women just so they get I feel like you get a head start on and avoid many many disagreements and arguments by learning right off the bat you're absolutely right you're absolutely I wish right. I had known this you know 30 years ago <laughs> me too <laughs> I know. So how can people discover this secret? Good question. It's easy. Okay. I would suggest, and I give you the title of the book to buy the book. Okay. Harville Hendricks and Helen Hunt, uh, they're the creators of Imago. Okay. They came up with the latest book. Uh, It's been out on the market a few years now. It's called Making Marriage Simple. They use the word marriage, but you can really say making relationships simple. I think it's a publishing selling point of marriage, but I think it should be a little bit more open in a sense, making any relationship simple. And it's actually look at the book to see the subtitle, what it says. And it's subtitle of the book. It says 10 truths for changing the relationship you have into the one you want. Perfect. And it's a book full of tools. And if you have a discipline, you and your partner, or one of them with a discipline has to be a keeper of the discipline. You can do it yourself. Okay. If that fails, then going to my website, there's a lot of resources Okay. Where one can go to Imago website and look for a counselor and Imago counselor in the area. And what's that? That website itself is called imagorelationship.com. I M A G O. Oh, relationship.com. And we'll put all this in the show notes as well. We will. We will. Failing that, if somebody really wants a little start to Imago and is okay with me having sessions over the internet and they use FaceTime, Zoom or whatever is convenient, I can do that too. But having an Imago person maybe on your doorstep in your own area might be a little bit more convenient if you want to office office visit. Well, with COVID, we don't know how how we're working. Right. You're trying to retire somewhat. At some point, I think I will like to retire and move to to our boat and be on the Bahamas Blue Waters. Sounds lovely. Don't worry, I'll come visit. There's going to be another podcast about it. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. your, your next wind. In my next wind. Absolutely. Absolutely. So beauty of the Imago work is that really Imago doesn't resolve problems. Imago dissolves problems because you start seeing your partner in a different eye. You see him as a separation from you. He or she doesn't think like you. He or she doesn't feel like you. And it's okay. We can cope with different opinions about the same situation and different feelings about the same situation. One can be upset, one be happy. And that's okay too. We can live together with that. Right. So it teaches you the separation and you don't need many sessions to do it yourself. It's true. You really don't. No. You really don't. You really don't. And the beauty of, of working with Imago for me was that I went into every session completely empty. I had no agenda for the session. For anything. You no. just spoke from no. your heart. I just showed up. It was delivered to you. And I trust, trust the process that you and your partner, you and Frank, will show me where we need to go. And they always... Amazing. I didn't have to do anything. I mean, just technically, to... but you did. <laughs> of course, but I didn't have to, like previously, you would be looking for me to resolve something. I didn't. You resolved it yourself between yeah. you. And I was just sitting in aura of the simple process and going, oh my God, it works. They it works. <laughs> With all the tears and then all the smiles and then Absolutely. all the hugs. It's amazing. And the two dogs in the room. 
And two dogs in the room at all times. Yeah. Well, that was another aha moment, Wendy. When I when I start working from home. Right. That's right. You didn't know you could work from home. No, I didn't think I was professional to work from home. I thought, well, I had office before, and now I'm going to work where from my home. And again, the universe provided me that with answers. My our neighbor in the in the subdivision, she called me and she said, I know Ola, you don't have an office, but my uncle and my auntie, they meet someone. They've been married for 60 years and they're nearly divorcing. Ridiculous, yeah. And I said to her, I can't see them. She said, it doesn't matter where you see them. So I created a space in the back porch where they could sit in two chairs opposite each other. And the idea was born. They're actually working from home makes the couples a little bit more closer because we don't have the clinical environment. It's a little more comfortable. Let more less comfortable. stressful, more relaxed. More relaxed. They, yeah. they don't feel clinical. They don't think there's something wrong with me that I'm right. sitting here. So the idea was born and we had a basement right and then yeah you refurbished your basement refurbished the basement put a new door new bathroom downstairs and that was it that was that was my office and lovely working from home and what i also you will appreciate that too because you're a woman of nature i found myself between the sessions going into my garden and start digging and i was mindful what i was doing i did pruning or digging or taking soil and then i thought to myself what is this symbolic or i was discharging whatever i was Picking up in the sessions from people, discharging to a mother earth. So oh. it, gave me, it, gave, it gave me the emptiness for the next one. Oh, no, that's cool. I, I didn't. didn't carry any emotions from my previous sessions. You know, people say, sit on the ground, give it everything to mother earth. Well, that's what I was doing unknowingly, intuitively. I was doing something where it worked for me until I put attention to it. Thought, mm, that's strange that I'm in my working clothes and I go and dig in the garden. <laughs> Some of my friends that are on my that I consider to be the most well-rounded friends I have, the people I go to for advice that I is like, or if I could emulate them, I would. They all garden. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Mother F is so beautiful and so giving and so forgiving. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. Ola, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you. That was illuminating on so many different levels. Your story is so interesting and, you know, bringing us to somewhere none of us that I know of have been in communist Poland in the 50s. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, it's incredible. We just don't, you just don't even realize if you've been born and raised in the U.S., no, had no. it pretty easy. Regardless, everybody has their own trials and tribulations. And the bottom line is we find out again yeah. is listening to your gut, following your intuition, listening to the nudges. Absolutely. And you can only do that when you learn to quiet your yourself a little bit. Stop running. Right, right. Slow down. Stop running. Slow down. Slow down. There's, there's plenty of time for everything. And I'm saying this for myself. Mm -hmm. by nature I'm a fast doer fast thinker everything is fast 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 so over the years I've learned to slow down I still yeah. do things as fast as I can but compared to what I used to is very slow yeah <laughs> and I'm actually going to start next Friday the uh, TM meditation I'm going to start oh, good for you. that'll make me slow down for sure that's wonderful yeah we'll see that there will be a podcast on that for sure so thank you my friend as well, always thank you from the bottom of my heart and if i can change the space between some people just by by sharing what i've shared i've done my job you sure have thank you so thank much you. and breathe in your second wind yes thank you Wendy. thank you thank you for listening today I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, Go ahead and breathe in your second wind.